This is the Reactive Attachment Disorder Podcast. I'm Tracy Turner-Kaiser. I am a licensed professional counselor supervisor. I am in private practice at Full Circle Family Counseling in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and I'm offering these podcasts to help parents, guardians, grandparents, teachers, anybody that might be interacting with a child with reactive attachment disorder. These podcasts are meant to put more tricks into your bag so that you have more skills in knowing how to handle children with reactive attachment disorder. These are hopefully going to help you not feel so alone in working with kids with reactive attachment disorder or parenting them. I'm hoping that these recordings and podcasts will help give you a little breathing space. So this podcast is about self-care, and we hear a lot about self-care throughout uh, in the media and on the news and so forth about taking care of ourselves, the importance of eating well. Um, there's all kinds of diets out there now as far as which ones, you know, no gluten and all the no sugar and all those healthy uh, pieces and about exercise and the importance of exercising daily and getting half hour in and sleeping well and, and the intimacy and the emotional and spiritual needs. And there are a million and one programs out there that are 21 days to or longer about meditating and focusing on taking care of yourself. So that's, those are all important and those are, I think, critical. My focus more is on how do we get to that place of being able to do that? And it seems to be that there seems to be, there needs to be a bridge. So all these self-help books and self-help programs are fabulous but many of us don't follow through on that. And the, my question is why? Why is it that we're not following through on that? Um, and working with reactive attachment disorder kids and families with reactive attachment disorder kids, one of the critical things that I talk to parents about is self-care. That if mom's not happy, no one's happy. Um, and that the importance of being able to fulfill oneself to be able to give all that love and discipline and structure that a child with complex trauma needs. And over and over and over again, I'll ask the parents, particularly the moms, so how's the self-care going? And it's like, I don't have time. I didn't have time to do that. I'm so busy taking care of all the chaos in the house. Uh, and eventually the chaos wears, wears, some, wears her down. And then, she, uh, then she's at a wit's end. And, she, and she's not her, – her love bucket is empty and she can't move forward. So – Let's talk a little bit about how do we fill ourselves up with, with self-care. So we're talking about self-care and self-care is more than simply taking care of one's self and body. It's about taking, taking the responsibility to feed our souls and spirit. So our, our souls really want to be held physically, energetically, spiritually. They want to be seen, heard, and most importantly, we want to be validated. We want to know that we exist and that that's acknowledged by another being and it's reflected back to us. So the easiest way to make this happen is to simply speak our truth with a capital T. Now, much easier said than done. How does one go about taking the responsibility of speaking our truth? Um, and it is about taking the responsibility, taking the risk to stand in our illusions, to become and to become cur- to become curious about what feeds our soul. And the curiosity is what really is really the key component. Curiosity is kind of like the mother that is encouraging us to, that we can do it. So if we can allow ourselves to simply notice, to simply get curious and to notice what our patterns 
are and what no longer serves us and what does serve us. We also want to notice what what is doing, what is going well. The best way to feed curiosity is to be curious. And and it is simply being able to ask ourselves at this given moment what would bring me the most joy giving ourselves permission to have that split second of a moment of expansiveness that allows us to cock our head and kind of go what if i wonder what would happen if i could that would bring me the most joy at this given moment so if a child is throwing a fit for example and we and it's throwing us into chaos, and we're really we just rat our wits in. We don't know what to do, right? The kid is just having a conniption fit. It's always kind of great if we can remember to kind of go, "Wow, what would bring me the most joy at this given moment?" <laughs> and that allows, and if we can get curious about it, then curiosity gives us a lot of options because then we can say, oh, wow, you know, sweetie, I think you could throw that fit probably a little bit better if you wanted to. Or we have other options because curiosity now opens the bag of tricks that we have. When we're feeling exasperated and we don't take that moment to ask what would bring us the most joy at this given moment, the the bag of tricks just gets cinched up really tight. You forget that you even have that bag of tricks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's true for, for with our, in our relationship with ourselves, relationship with our spouse, relationship with our friends, relationship with our kids is that if we get thrown off balance and curiosity goes out the window, then everything shuts down and it becomes a lot more, we become tunnel visioned. It turns into more of that struggle. Yes, definitely Mm -hmm. that, that, Mm -hmm. that power struggle. Mm -hmm. We're trying to avoid the power struggle within ourselves and with others. Uh So you're saying on top of all this self-care stuff that the media is throwing at us with, you know, taking care of yourself with good food and with exercise and sleep and whatever else that you're saying, you're saying get curious. And at the heart of self-care is staying present in the moment and and saying, okay, my kid's having this crazy fit. Instead of getting really mad and frustrated and overwhelmed, step back and ask, what else is possible? Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, tw- hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And it's really right. hard. Sometimes at times it's really hard to do that. Sense of humor is always great and recognizing, all right, if it doesn't all get done right now, is it really going to have a huge impact tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now? Mm-hmm. And does it really matter if this gets done or doesn't get done? And that gives us permission to then be able to do what's immediately needed and not what we are expecting. Uh-huh. You know, what's on the agenda, what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of coming back to that self-care place of how do we take that responsibility of being able to do that for ourselves all the time? And it is becomes it becomes much more than just a daily practice because a daily practice is wonderful, but it's it's a practice has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And a practice can get thrown out really easily. I don't have time to do this practice, this yoga practice, this breathing act practice, this practice of eating well. So if we begin to take a deep breath and begin to realize that with every breath in and with every breath out and all that lies in between, there is space for curiosity. There is space for self-love. That self-care is like breathing. It just should happen 
all the time. And that there are times when we do breathe consciously and in a yo-yo as, as a practice, mm-hmm. but we don't stop breathing. Right. And we don't ever stop breathing. So we don't, we should never stop loving ourselves and holding ourselves in love. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. So I'm hearing you say that, that it's like, that self-care can be like breathing, that it's, it's not just this go to the salon and get that haircut, which that's an important part of, you know, taking time out for you. But it's this, it's a, it's a literally as present and as perpetual as breathing. And it's an inner thing. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and I, if we can get to that place, then the practices of exercise or being more conscious of what we eat or doing a yoga practice and so forth will become easier because there'll be space for it because we've already fulfilled, we've already fulfilled ourselves with the joy that gives us life. It's a tricky, it's, you know, it's, 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 you have to be kinder. We have to be kind to ourselves mm-hmm. and, and, and be patient and, uh, and know that at every given moment, all we can do is do our very best and, and, and our very best will improve over time. And, and your very best might not show up until you ask yourself, huh? What's going on here? What else is possible? That curious moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> when, right. When you open yeah. your bag of tricks. Yeah. So what are some other aspects of self-care for, especially for parents and families with children who have, you know, with children who have complex trauma? Good question. I think the, this, the, the thing that's going to, that makes a difference is, is, is sweating the small stuff. It's like, you know, we, you know, they talk about, don't worry about the small stuff. And I think it's not so much worry about the small stuff. I think it's more about embracing the small things and recognizing it's the small things that make the difference. It's the small things that bring us the joy. It's the small smile. It's the, it's the small nod. It's the, the touch that we get from our spouse. It's the slight grimace that we might get from a kid that hasn't given us any expression for, you know, weeks on end, that it's those small things that make a huge impact that kind of, so it it is about waking up and noticing the small things, noticing how the sun comes into the window, noticing, you know, how the dog looks at us, noticing that there are dust bunnies on the floor and, you know, the shapes that they make versus getting upset that they're there in the first place. And that allows us then to, to be able to, to say to our kids, wow, you know, you had dusting yesterday and I see all kinds of dust bunnies on the floor. It's impressive. You know, it's being able to kind of go, wow, you know what, you know, you must have done a really, you know, you must have done a great job doing it your way because there are tons of dust bunnies on the floor. And however the parent says that versus getting feeling like somehow we've been thrown off balance because our child hasn't done what we want them to do or we, or what we ask them to do. So instead of us getting thrown off balance because our child didn't do what we were at, we asked them to do, we stay balanced and our child gets thrown off balance. And it's the off balance for our kids that kind of go, Oh, I want to be in balance because it is human nature. It is the world's nature to be in balance. Mm. So and and balance is is not something that stays. 
we get, we come into balance to only get thrown off balance to come back into balance because it's the coming into the balance that brings us the joy that makes us feel alive that we, that makes us realize like, Oh, I have a purpose. So it's not like we want to stay in balance because that's not, that's not possible to only be in balance. How one has to be thrown off balance, but being thrown off balance does not necessarily mean to go into chaos. Mm, good point. Mm-hmm. So that would be extremes. It's just the it's it's the ebb and flow. It's the ebb and flow that 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 uh, I think feeds us. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about it's, it's you know shifting from don't sweat the small stuff to be grateful for the small stuff right, and that yeah. gratitude. Tell us about gratitude as part of self care. Yeah. Glad you brought that up because gratitude is probably the easiest place to start is to simply be able to wake up and kind of go, I am so grateful that I woke up this morning. I am so grateful that when I stand up, my feet hurt because I know I have feet. And to recognize that there is always going to be somebody or something worse than what is given or happening for us at this given moment. So it's not so much having to compare it to that, but it's being able to acknowledge that there's much to be grateful for. And it just starting there is a really good place to begin. And it is simply just taking a moment to notice and, and, and notice all the small things that we're grateful for. Well, and what happens when you actually practice, you know, when you're actually feeling grateful for something, what happens in that moment? Uh, joy gets to seep in and that's, it's, it's in that gratitude of noticing what we're grateful for that joy gives space for joy to open, to open up our hearts. And what the magic is, is that we can be grateful for things that haven't happened yet. And that's being able to really set the precedence, to set the stage for, I am really grateful that my child will 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 smile to me to for a smile at me today. I'm really grateful that you know, I don't know what anything that could happen. I you know that brings up I have a practice where as soon as I wake up or within the first, you know, 30 minutes of my day, at some point I'm like I'm so grateful for the beauty the day is bringing me. And I have no idea what that beauty is, but I know that uh, there's going to be a moment of beauty and I'm grateful for it now and I'm grateful for it when it shows up. Yeah. Great. Because when we're grateful for what hasn't shown up, we are putting faith and trust in that it will show up. And when we have faith and trust that it will show up, it can only show up. And, you know, I think that gratitude also shifts us out of that lack mentality and into that, like that thing that you're desiring or wanting could be right there, but you're not noticing it because you're too busy being a curmudgeon and, and thinking about all the stuff that's going wrong. But when you shift into that gratitude, you look around, you're like, oh, actually, Oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, something that I wanted is actually right here. And and we can only do that for in our for our own lives. Right. And, you know, and it's particularly, I think, important and probably particularly hard to do when we have a child in our home that is being very destructive, aggressive um, and just reeking in havoc of self-hate. Yeah. So talk a little more about that, because I'm sure that there's someone listening who's just like at their wits end and they're like, I can't be I can't even be grateful for my child anymore. Like they're there. What what do you say to this person? You know, that's a that's a good question. And and it's being able to hold them 
with the love that that I see that they have for themselves. So it's being able to to have be able to reflect that who they are back to them because they have forgotten because they've been so caught up in the war zone that they have lost their sense of of direction. Are you talking about the parent or the child? The parent and the child, both. But it's going to be really important for me. My job is to do that for the parent so that the parent can do it for the child. It's not my job to do it for the child because it really needs to come from the parent because then that's when the relationship gets solidified. So my job is to really support and hold the parent um, so that they have the energy and the space to be able to notice what they're grateful for. And a lot of times... We tend, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the gets the oil, right? So the child is the squeaky wheel, and sometimes we need to recognize that what else, what is, what, who else, and what else is squeaking that we're not hearing, and and that usually is ourselves. You know, it's usually the parent. They're really the parent, really next to that they're not taking care of themselves. They're not finding the joy in life because the child has really selected out of them, and totally understandable why that happens. But this podcast is a really, really focusing on take just a moment to step away from the chaos in the house and to begin to solidify, strengthen, and start a, a recognizing the self-care that's needed, the self-love that we have forgotten about mm-hmm. uh, because we're so because we're because we're so busy noticing how a child isn't loving themselves. One trick would be to not get caught up in having it go a certain way. You know, a lot of times the child is all about doing things their way and want, and, and they're so fearful about being in a relationship where there's a compromise or they're, or they're having to, what they feel like giving their power away. So the ongoing question that I'm reiterating in this is what, what would bring us the most joy at this given moment? The importance of recognizing the small things, being able to speak our gratitude for um, all the small things in our lives that bring us joy. And not getting caught up in having things go our way. Because when we get caught up with things going our way, we have a certain expectation that we have control over someone else or something else. And that's usually when that throws us off balance into chaos. That desire to have control over something or someone. And that brings that brings in the power struggle. So we're wanting to avoid the power struggle as much as possible. So if we can let go of the outcome, if we can let go of caring, and letting go of caring means that we're not attached to the outcome because we don't have any control of the outcome. Our child can choose to do something and our child can choose not to do something. All we can say is, wow, you have the choice to be able to make to do this or not to do this. Good luck making that choice for yourself. We want to hand that back. And if we're handing it back to the child, then we want to hand that back to ourselves too and ask ourselves, how is it, you know, I could get worked up about this and I could choose not to get worked up about this. Which one's going to bring me the most joy? And that's that's a good question to ask. And it's being able to give space to being able to ask that question. Because if we're in the, in the midst of chaos, sometimes it's hard to ask that question. Mm-hmm. So before we get to that chaos and into the process of when we take those moments to ask ourselves to, and to recognize our choices that we have about what, what, uh, what, uh, what we have control over, what we don't have control over, what mm-hmm. we can get attached to, what we cannot get attached to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Do you think that for people listening, for par- for parents who this is maybe a new concept or for who they've struggled with this in the past of letting go of their expectations and attachments that uh, do you have an, a useful exercise they might be able to do or, or something to figure out like, what are they expecting? You know, how do they know when they are having that expectation? Cause sometimes coming through the mist from just having that expectation to being able to recognize that it is an expectation can be a big step. Say, say there's someone listening who maybe isn't sure what an expectation or an attachment is. I mean, maybe, so you, you know what it is. You've been studying this, but say there's someone out there who's like, I have no clue what she's talking about with how to let go of this expectation or attachment. Where can they start with even recognizing that they're having an expectation? All right. So the easiest way to notice that we're caught up in our expectations is that, uh, we get into power struggles. So power struggles, arguments, uh, we're digging our feet deeper into the sand, so to speak. Um, and we are getting invested in the outcome. Uh, and you know, and that's pretty easy to recognize, you know, it's like when we're getting it, it's like, we are adding fuel to the fire. We're getting into an argument. Um, and, and, you know, and that's when parenting goes, gets thrown out the window, right? It's like, there is no parent in this, in the room right now. You know, it's like the power struggle. <laughs> so say someone's in that power struggle and in that moment and they wake up and they're like, oh, I think this is because I was having an expectation. How can they let go of that? Cause that's hard. That's a, that's a moment of, yeah, that's, that's like, right. So you, that's, when ask. You, <laughs> that's when you have to really speak your truth and sort of say, whoa, wow, you know, it's a great job. You got me, ca- I got, you know, I got caught up in that. Um, give me a minute. Let me just take a minute and. There's always the wonderful thing of delayed consequences, always the space to be able to say, let me get back to you on that one. Mm. You know what? I'm going to go take a time out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take some time to myself. Yeah. If you want to continue to throw your fit, let me know how that goes for you. I'll be in the kitchen. I, it's time for tea. Then you go ask yourself, what would bring me the most joy right. in this moment, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> what, what, what would bring me the most joy at this point besides strangling my child? Yeah. Um, or my spouse, um, or beating my head against the wall. So, and, and that's, you know, and that's finding humor. And that's where you really allow curiosity come, to come back into the picture. To be able to take a moment and kind of go, you know, it doesn't, in the long run, it's not going to really matter. Now, if you're dealing with a really, uh, a really difficult child who is, got severe complex trauma, you know, all these suggestions are going to um, seem like a Band-Aid on a huge wound. And that that makes sense. And I will talk later on in a lot of detail about how to deal with that child that is, you know, beyond uh, being able to be walk, to walk away from. You know, so you may not be able to leave a child in the room having a fit or a child is being really destructive or there is a huge power struggle that's happening and the child mm-hmm. is continuing to feed that power struggle. And, you know, if you're someone listening and, you're, and that's you and you have questions, please email Tracy and, and we'll address them in the podcast. We'll be happy to answer. Yeah. Because that'll be on the show notes page. Great. So... I want to kind of bring it back to why self-care is so important and what is self-care. So, you know, beginning to not, I'm really beginning to not really like the word self-care. It's kind of like, hmm, what do we mean by that? Right, because it's just so many meanings and and There's so many meanings and there's so, uh, it's become kind of, uh, 
I don't even know what the word is. It just, it's, it's, there's so much advertisement for self care Mm -hmm. or self love. And it's, you know, it's got this kind of new age realm to it. And when you're in the middle of something, sometimes you just need something really practical. So it's, it's, I think it, it really is recognizing that if we're not happy with ourselves and where we are in life, then we really can't project that onto some, we can't really move forward. We and really model can't be that. In, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We can't model that and we can't be in relationship with someone on that. And, and there's nothing like our spouses, our friends, and particularly our children that are going to show us our weakest and our strongest links. They're amazing mirrors. They are amazing mirrors. And it's beginning to be really, and being able to have great, to have gratitude for that. You know, um, having gratitude for my husband always being a linear thinker where I'm always in circles has really frustrated me, but also has given me the space to be kind of go, wow, I am so grateful. He's my biggest teacher Mm -hmm. because I get to see the other side of something. And that's, you know, for our children too, it's like, our children are our children are going to show us our weakest links. They're going to show us what we're still stumbling upon. What are some p- old patterns that are no longer serving us that we fall back to because yeah. they become patterns. And when you can when you can recognize those and transform them through these questions, these moments of curiosity and and asking yourself what will bring me the greatest joy in this moment, then you start to shift them and find the treasure in those hurts. Right. It's right. Like, yeah. You shift yeah. your then you. Then you, those become strengths. Right, right. right. They become strengths and they become, you know, they, they, they become a sense of curiosity. They become that, they become that mothering force that kind of, we begin to learn how to parent ourselves. So one thing that, that when we think about self care, if we think about self parenting, if we're self parenting ourselves, if we're parenting ourselves, then parenting a child becomes a lot easier. And being in relationship becomes a lot easier. And recognizing that we don't have to have our children give us something back to be in relationship with ourselves and to be have fun in parenting them. That makes sense. So I've heard you talk about how the little things can help the nervous system feel calm. And that forms the basis of uh, self-care. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Okay, yeah. So the small stuff like eye contact, uh, touch. You know, just having someone put their hand on your shoulder, giving you a smile or giving a smile. Those are all things that calm the nervous system. And when the nervous system is calm, that calmness provides a sense of security and safety. And when we are feeling secure and safe, then curiosity can can rear its head. And when curiosity peeks out, then there's a, there's a teachable moment and some, we can learn. It's only when we're curious that we're able to shift patterns. So curiosity is going to be critical. We want to give every opportunity for ourselves as well as our children to get curious. So if we're handing the problem back to them, if we're not getting attached to the outcome, if we're not taking over and trying to control everything and keep everything happening with every detail the way that we want to, it allows it, it. It gives space for curiosity to come in, and it's when curiosity comes in that it, that we're handing the problem back to the child. So, a secure base allows curiosity to take place, and when curiosity takes place, learning can take place, and patterns can shift. And that's that's when 
the reciprocalness and the bonding and the love gets formed because when we're having fun and we can only have fun when we're curious, so to speak. So we want to give pockets of opportunities to have moments where curiosity can blossom. So what do you mean by a pocket of opportunity? So a pocket of opportunity is in the midst of chaos, is there a pocket of air? Is there a pocket of opportunity that that can get expanded on? So it's like, you know, this chaos, 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 and then it's like, oh, did you see this? And, you know, you, you direct someone, you redirect someone's attention. It's like, oh, there's a moment of pause. And it's in that moment of pause that the, that's the that's the pocket of opportunity, right? It's like there's that moment where you kind of go, oh, I see you. I hear you. Boy, you're really angry about that. Or I'm really upset about this. Mm-hmm. So it's that pocket of opportunity where you can be curious and take a different approach and and and. and offer something different yeah. to the child and to yourself. So when when we ask ourselves, you know, what would bring me the most joy at this given moment, when we allow ourselves to accept what's happening at the given time, it's it's and it and it's and it's kind of like politics, you know, it's like we we have we have to become tolerant of what is different than us, or what is we're not liking, and then we get to a place of accepting it, and then we get to a place of being able to embrace it. And, and once we embrace it, then we realize that we're in relationship with it. And you can love. And we can love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're condoning any, any chaotic behavior or something that's not going to work well for any one given person, but it's in that shift. You're stepping out of the power struggle. Right. You're stepping mm-hmm. out of it and you're, and you're giving energy to something else other than what's not going well. And, and that's, you know, that's the easiest, that's, that's the problem that we as parents always have is that we're going to give our children the most attention when they're most, when they're misbehaving the most. <laughs> and really what we want to be doing is giving them the most attention when things are going well and ignoring and dismissing the, 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 the negative behavior as much as possible. And once we are able to kind of decompress the negative behavior and and feed the positive when the positive energy and behavior becomes expanded then we can go back and take care of the bad behavior it's like oh wow you know it's like come on back and clean up that milk milk you you threw all over the kitchen mm-hmm. but if if the time that, that milk is being thrown all over the kitchen we are insisting that the child clean it up or that they stop that behavior, then it's just fueling the negative behavior. So we can take a moment to step away from that and redirect and notice something else and notice what is going well. What do we love about that that moment or that child? And if we can acknowledge that and maybe have a pocket of opportunity to redirect the energy then they grab onto that. We, uh-huh. So you so you gave us this example of the child throwing milk all over the kitchen. Can, can you expand on that? Because, you know, what, like, your kid's throwing milk all over the kitchen. How can you be grateful for that? That's, you know, and, the, and then how, how, how can you 
give attention to what's going well yeah. in that moment. And That's- it's always, it's always, you know, it's easier said than done. And sometimes, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's really hard at times. And the milk is going everywhere all over the kitchen to be able to say, wow, did you see how that milk hit that wall? That was really cool the way that milk is falling down off that wall there. Boy, that glass really shattered really well against that, that wall or whatever it might be. Sometimes, you know, it sounds great to be able to do that. And sometimes in the middle of that, it, it's impossible. And that's sometimes when we just have to step away from it. There are times looking at it kind of going, is there anything that is redeemable in this, in this height now? And it might be, well, you've got a really strong arm. You know, it's like, wow, kid, you've got a really strong arm. You'd make a great baseball player. Wish, well, can't wait for you to see what you do with that energy. And it may just be stepping away from that. Or it might just being able to walk away and say, you know, let me know when you're done. Um, and, and it, it is, this is when we have to individualize and, you know, understand the goodness of fit, which is a whole nother podcast conversation about what is the goodness of fit and, you know, the parents' strengths and the child's strengths and weaknesses and how, how does, how do they work together and complement each other and how are they not working together? So it's an individualized program to be able to come up with those individualized tricks in the bag mm. that, that curiosity allows to open up, um, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt with when I give these suggestions at this given moment of, because it makes it, it sounds a lot easier than it can be at times. And it becomes easier to see those opportunities and those pockets of opportunities when we're focusing on self-care, when we're focusing on self-loving ourselves and we're looking at really self-parenting. So that may be a really great way that would make sense is how are we self-parenting? If I were, if I were the child, how would I parent myself? And it's not even looking at that. It's really recognizing that if we're self-parenting, then how are we taking opportunities to encourage qualities that we want to continue on? And how are we discouraging and cutting, cutting the attachments to the negative behavior? So, so it's like, you got to have that relationship with yourself first before you can bring that to your relationship with your child. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is really looking at, uh, our, our, our own patterns, our own, uh, ways of being and what was working well and what's not working well. And then to just get curious about it, to simply notice. I think that really, um, useful line that worked well for me is to simply notice. I'm simply noticing right now what's working well, what's not working well. Mm-hmm. I'm simply allowing myself to get curious. I'm simply noticing what's happening within myself. How am I feeling? What is what needs do I have that are not getting met now? Uh, and that and if we can really honestly ask ourselves what need is not getting met right now? Why am I getting so invested and so angry or, or and struggling with whatever it is that might be happening in, in a conversation or argument with our spouse in a conversation or interaction with our children with the world our community and that's learning how to speak our truth if we can stand on our own truth and be able to be brutally honestly compassionately honest with ourselves then that's the key to self-help that is about being, being in relationship with ourselves. So that, that allows us then to do all the things, 
like the exercise and the eating and the walking and all those things that are good for us, that gives us space to do that. Wow. Um, wow. So you just told all these folks listening how to speak and stand in their truth. And that's, that's like the missing key in all those self-help books that, um, you know, that you spoke about in the beginning of this episode. Yes. There's the golden nugget. <laughs> yeah. 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 So in self-help books, there's an expectation that we do this and that this should, that this should happen. Right. So we have like, you know, or there's this, if we, if there's, there's an end product, if I do this, this will happen. And we get attached to the outcome. But if we're, as they say in the four agreements by, you know, Don Miquel. Ruiz. Ruiz. Thank you, Ruiz. Mm -hmm. Now, when he gives an example of being impeccable as one of his agreements talks about, it's like being impeccable with your words then there, he's not really talking about how to go about doing that, right? He's just saying, be impeccable with your words. How do we go about being impeccable with our words? That's the tricky thing. And, and, and we are left with having to get curious and invested in how do we make that happen for ourselves? There is no one can tell us how to go about loving ourselves, no one can tell us about how to be impeccable with our words. They don't know what our words are going to be. So how can we, how can they tell us how to be impeccable with it? So we have to become invested in creating our own self-love. And I think it's that investment in, in creating our self-love that, that we find the joy. It's in the process. So joy is in the process. Happiness can be an end result. I'm happy that this that I have this product at the end of it. But the process of getting to that end product is what, it's the process of doing, of being invested in the process that gives us joy. Mm -hmm. it, and I think that's a piece of sometimes that doesn't get acknowledged a lot. Mm -hmm. So you're, so you're talking about how there's this expectation of this result and people buy the book, maybe do the practice a few times and then, hope, you know, expect to have that end result. But really, you're saying shift into looking at it as the process and the process in the process is the joy. And you get the result of that happiness. But that process is the help. Right. And that then and it becomes about parenting, right? Because parenting is a process. Parenting, right. we never, we never stop parenting. And parenting takes all kinds of forms, you know, parenting a small child versus a, you know, a latency age child to adolescence to, you know, a young adult. It, they're all different stages and the parenting styles change, but we're still parenting. And as, and, and it's about self parenting, uh, how taking care of ourselves when we're in our twenties and thirties and forties and fifties is also very different. Uh, and. So yeah, so there is there it's the, it's the process that gives us the joy, and we have to really embrace the process mm -hmm. and not so get caught up in the in the product. Well, yeah, and, and I'm hearing you say the process is life. Like that, if you can learn this, then you've got this skill for life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and this isn't something we do by ourselves. Okay, tell yeah. us more. So this isn't something that we do by ourselves. You know, there's so much out there and so much belief that, 
you know, we have to be independent and, you know, we're weak if we don't do it by ourselves and, you know, this, and being strong and independent is something that we strive for. Uh, I'm not so sure that that's working well for us at, at this given time or that it ever did. There is strength in community. There is strength in relationship. There is strength in being able to um, have backup, you know. Single parenting is not an easy task. Parenting with another with another person is going to go a lot smoother, especially if you're on the same page. Parenting when you have a community that's backing you up, when you have respite workers and you have other, you know, teachers and everybody that's on board with how to do that, then things go smoothly. So we have to realize that it's a we process. We can do this versus I can do this. Uh, but so you're saying is that ability to be in the we stems from having that good self-care practice yes okay yes so it's a tricky thing because we come from being in relationship right Mm -hmm. so we're wired to be in relationship it's when that gets broke when that doesn't go so smoothly that we have the disconnect which is a Another once again another topic on, on on explaining how the disconnect happens for the children with reactive attachment disorder. But in the meantime, it's really more about recognizing that it's the reciprocalness, it's the relationship, it's the give and take, it's the ability to differentiate versus separate. I am I am my own self, and I am in relationship with another. Mm. that gives us the strength and the ability to uh, find joy. So Tracy, today you've given listeners four distinct ways they can take self-care to a deeper level. Do you want to summarize them for us? Sure. Um, great reflection on the, on the four things. So I think the, the, the most important thing for self-care is being able to ask oneself, what would bring me the most joy at this given moment? And in that asking that question, it allows a platform for curiosity to kind of jump off of. And it's the curiosity that it gives us the expansiveness to then be able to not get caught up in the attachments. Okay, I, I'm not going to get caught up in the outcome of this. And when we don't get caught up in the outcome, then it allows us to have more choices and it gives us a space of going, okay, what are my choices here that are going to give me the most joy, that are going to make this situation go as smoothly as possible, that's going to give my child a teachable moment, and I don't have to get into power struggle with them about it. Uh, so, so once again, the four things are, you know, first asking yourself, what would bring me the most joy at this given time? Allowing yourself to get curious about what that would be. And in that curiosity, being able to see what outcomes we can let go of, not getting caught up in the outcome, letting go of the attachment. Um, And it's letting go of the attachment that empowers us to claim our sense of self back. Ah, this isn't about this person or this isn't about me. This is about something else. And if it's not about me, then I don't need to worry about it. Or I can hand that problem back so that who it is about, they can worry about. And we want our children to begin to recognize that it's about them. 
and their choices they're making and what's going to bring them the most joy. So we want to be able to model that. And if we're not doing that for ourselves, then we can't model it for our children. And then the most important, probably even more so than asking us what would bring us the most joy is having gratitude, is being able to speak our gratitude for everything and anything that might be happening. In any moment. In any (laughs) given moment. And if we can find the gratitude, if we can find those pocket of opportunity to have a moment of gratitude, then in that moment, we get to ask ourselves, what would bring me the most joy? And then we go down the list again, right? Mm -hmm. Then here's the level of curiosity, lack of, you're not getting caught up in the attachments of the outcome. And, and then being able to have some humor and have some fun with it. Awesome. I hope you found something useful from these episodes. And if you need more support, please reach out to me via email. My email address is Tracy with an EY at fullcirclefamilycounseling.com. Please feel free to share this with anybody that you think might benefit from them. Also, if you would like to share your story on the show, or if you have any questions you'd like answered in an episode, please reach out to us through the website, which is www.fullcirclefamilycounseling.com. We look forward to hearing your stories and being able to offer more insight into what might be happening in your life. Thank you and know that you are not alone in this. I'm here to help you in any way that might be useful. I look forward to hearing from you.